ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hi everybody, Brian David Marshall here with a special bonus episode of Top 8 Magic. I'm here with longtime listener and uh, excellent comic book artist, yeah. Butch Mappa. Thanks. Butch, what's going on? Uh, well, we just came here from uh, from ground zero of uh, Top 8 Magic at the famous Waverly and Gay uh, street corner. So I'm just, uh, I don't know, I'm like a super fan, so I might not say much. I'm making hand gestures right now. <laughs> yeah, hand gestures are not great for the podcast. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, uh, I've been here for, for like a month. I contacted you. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta try, even though, I'm, like, I'm just a super fan, so I can't guarantee anything. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun. When I went here, I first saw Waverly, Waverly Street sign the subway. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, mini orgasm there. <laughs> Love this place. So you're, where, where, uh, you don't live in the states, right? You're, where are you from? Uh, yeah, I'm from the Philippines. So that's like halfway across, uh, uh, across the, the globe. Um, Mike's motherland. <laughs> so yeah, I came here for like a uh, like a wedding, and I'm here for seven weeks. I'm I draw comic books, so I'm staying until San Diego Comic Con. Oh, that's uh, so exciting! Is this gonna be your first Comic Con? Yeah, it's gonna be my first Comic Con, and my, my friends were like, "Oh, really? Your first Comic Con? You're gonna go to San, the, like the biggest one?" Like, kind oh wait, wait. This so when I say first Comic Con, I thought. I was saying first San Diego Comic Con, but you're saying this is the first Comic Con you've been to? Well, like, like some small ones in the Philippines. Like even in the Philippines, I don't go to too many Comic Cons, because uh, whatever. Like uh, it, the, the scene is so small that it's always the same people. So if I feel like I don't really need to go. Whatever. So I haven't gone to a comic convention in a while, uh, and not a, not a lot overall. So this will be like I don't know my fourth or fifth Comic Con, and it's number one. <laughs> it's the best one. It's the biggest one in the world. How, uh, how do you deal with crowds? I try not to. I'm like super, I'm like the, you know, the stereotypical shy artist <laughs> in the corner. I'd rather be doodling. And so I was actually like terrified to meet you uh, when I contacted you and Mike. I'm like, uh, I'm just not going to be burbling in the background, but got to shoot my shot, you know, because I don't know when I'll be back here. Uh, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna talk to these guys. I'm telling you, the weather's like this year round. You should move here. Well, <laughs> it's not like this year round. I know. Uh, this is actually like, this is like cold for me. <laughs> By the way, it's 90 out right now. It is freezing. Uh, <laughs> you can see I'm wearing, I'm wearing pants. Uh, when I first got here, I had to like wear like jacket, like a jacket inside. I, had to, I put on like a blanket, jogging pants. And then I talked to my cousins who are from here. And they're like wearing cutoff sleeves. They're like it's hot. And I'm like, no, it's not. I'm about to freeze to death. What, what what's the temperature like uh, in the Philippines right now? Um, well, right now it's actually a little bit better. But when I left, um, it was like in the like even in April, it's like in the hundreds. Like people die from heat stroke there every oh, year. So that's the only thing we have to watch. But it's like that the whole year, even, even when it's raining. It's like hot rain. So you're either like hot rain or hot, hot sun. So this is, this, is, this is perfect. This is like good weather. That's so funny. Yeah. So 
Now, you're, you're a comic book artist, you said. What, what, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, what you do. I know you drew Mike and I into a comic book once. Yeah, that's how I sucked up to you guys. Um, <laughs> it <so>. worked. <laughs> I've been like a listener for, I don't know, 10, 10 years. And like Top 8 Magic was my, my background music for so long. Uh, and I've always been into podcasting. Uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So whenever I'd have to, I want to sneak some Easter eggs into the pages, I'd be like, oh, I'll sneak in, um, like whatever, like last, last podcast on the left or whatever kind of podcast. So this comic book page I had to do, I worked for, I worked at the time for Xenoscope. Um, there was like this character, this evil character comes out of, I don't know, the sewer has to kill two innocent bystanders who are arguing and I'm like oh this is perfect like there was no direction from the script I could do whatever I wanted uh, so I just uh, without telling you guys I just drew in uh, your two characters uh, I put a, I put the Waverly and Gay street sign I think I put um, now you can find out if you got it right or not <laughs> um, I put uh, a lot of graffiti like, what would I put? Like, uh, was it like uh, Becker's mom or something? <laughs> yeah, Becker yeah, lives yeah, here or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Um, so I just, the whole page, I put like this, the Simic sign for you. Um, just a lot of, like the whole page was like the top eight magic page. That's so great. Yeah. And then I showed it to you guys and you're like, and then that's when you guys kind of, when I, you know, kind of stood out a little bit <laughs> from the legions of fans. <laughs> yeah. The legions. <laughs> There's literally dozens of you. <laughs> uh, so, 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 what do you what do you do now? Like, what what kind of uh, comic book work do you do? Well, right now, it, well, it's funny because I actually left Xenoscope. Um, uh, if you know Xenoscope, they've they've. If you don't know Xenoscope, they've been around for a long time. They're they're not like a big publishing company, but if you're into comics, you'd probably have you've like heard of them. They're very successful independent publisher. Yes, that, that's uh, they get lost in in that gets lost in the discussion because a lot of people are like, oh, they're the ones who do the cheesecake covers, uh, scantily clad ladies, and I mean it's worked for them. If you look at the the track record, they've been around longer than a lot of more big name comic book companies. But they also did a young adult line, right, and yeah. some other stuff, and yeah. They they're they're notorious for that I guess but they, like even and, and and especially in the in the in the actual stories they're very they're it's not the same as the cover so um, I remember I was like that was my impression one of the first things I drew for them was this this uh, they asked me to draw this girl in a panel and I I had her skirt like up so high and the editor got back to me and he's like uh can you like tone that down I'm like oh you want me to tone it down okay so. <laughs> That's how you do it here. Okay, cool, cool. So that's when I learned that the, the covers don't represent what the right. So yeah, I do. I do pencils. I do inks. Um, yeah, lifelong comic book fan, which is why I listen to you and Mike. And I get so excited when you guys like get derailed from your magic talk. <laughs> that that silly game. Yeah. So so yeah, that's what I do. What, what's your, uh, so for me, I mean, you've, you've certainly heard me talk about Days of Future Past being this like foundational comic book for me right. in terms of wanting to be in the comic book industry and, and, and love it. What, what's your, what was your lightning bolt comic? What was the book that just kind of made you go, yes, this is what I want to do? Oh my God, you're going to hate me. Oh no. <laughs> uh, every, I'm, I mean, Rob Liefeld's X-Force, is that... <laughs> Oh wow! Are you gonna kill me now? No, I mean that's. Are you like ashamed? A... Are you gonna run away? 
I mean, Rob Liefeld, like, obviously plays, like, a huge role in making comic books super exciting in the 90s. I, I don't know, you know, how you, if you aspire to draw like him <laughs> now, but... Uh, no comment on that. <laughs> I draw feet. Um, no, no, because uh, that's... Uh, I, like, uh, as I've grown older and people have, have laughed at me as I said that, so I've kind of backed off. So my, 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 my answer now is like just all the image founders, which is kind of true. Like I got in when the image founders were, 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 were like at their peak, at the peak of their powers. So all the, all the, like the, the Jim Lee X-Men stuff, the Eric Larson, Eric Larson, hi Mike, Eric Larson, <laughs> Spider-Man stuff. That was like, that's what I had when I, when I was growing up. So even now, like those are my favorites. Like the, when I think X-Men, I think Gambit. I know people don't like Gambit. Um, yeah, and then, and then after that, just, uh, just going on to more acceptable favorites, like Planetary, you know, like, uh, like Preacher, the, the more, but you know, if somebody asks me, it's still, it's still yeah. Rob Liefeld's exciting gritted teeth, the energy <laughs> that he had. Uh, that's what got me, well, that got, that's what got me excited into comics and later on into artwork, I guess. Oh, I mean, I, I think that makes a ton of sense. I mean, yeah. at, at the time, right, like all of those guys were just doing stuff that broke out of the mold of making comics look all the same, right? Like McFarlane and Eric Larson. Yeah. And, and Liefeld. Yeah. And, I mean, Jim Lee was obviously in a separate class from still, all of those guys yeah. and still is. Yeah, true. And Sylvestri. Yeah. Sylvester, I think, underrated, by the way. True. Historically, as an X-Men artist. Yeah, because he came along with Jim. Yeah. And he's like, uh, I don't know, it's like, he'll never be the man, I guess, as long as, like, that, that style, because they have the same style. Uh, same thing with Wills, Wills Portacio. Yeah. Uh, my countryman, so always been proud of him, but yeah, they're all under Jim's shadow. Does, does, does he do anything now? I know I know he, his career got derailed for a little while. Yeah, it got derailed for a bit. Um, he, he had some health issues but yeah he still, he did like <laughs> funnily enough Rob Rob got him to draw he's one of the artists drawing Rob's new Major X character I don't oh, know okay if, cool but it's like Rob Liefeld of course he created Deadpool created Cable so when there's like and a lot of the, the Youngblood stuff so when he when he announced that he was making a, a new Marvel character like it got a little bit of hype uh, ended up being well no spoilers uh, it ended up being uh I think Cable's son, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but still, it's like uh, he got he got Wills to draw a few issues. That's the last time I heard. That, that's like recent. That's like a few months ago. Okay. But he's okay. still around. Good. Yeah. He was. You know, there was always so much hype over. You know, Wetworks, right? <laughs> that was the book that never really ended Can, up being. Yeah. yeah. And it was good. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I can feel the judgment already from people, but like the image comic books. Uh, do I want to finish this sentence? <laughs> how, how old were you at the time of, of you're reading these? I'm like 10. So you, you, 10 can't, be, you can't be judged. <laughs> yeah, I had no defense. <laughs> I had no defense. I was very vulnerable. I didn't read anything from the 80s. Uh, I, was at, I, I, I read like Watchmen and didn't get it. Um, I was young. <laughs> Eventually I got it. But well, yeah. Watchmen at 10 is not going to read well. I, that's true. Especially all the pirate parts. I'm like, oh my God. I'm to tell you something. The pirate parts never... I, I, the pirate parts to me yeah. are like goblin songs in Lord of the Rings or orcas. <laughs> I like skip over those parts. Like all the Sam and Frodo parts in Lord of the Rings, <laughs> to be honest, for me. Do you, do you, um, who, okay, so who's your, 
Somebody asked me recently, who's your, if you, you had to say your Rushmore for comic books. Just, oh, wow. just that blanket. Of course, it could mean anything. <sighs> okay, so I, I kind of like, all right, I, I can do it actually. Yeah. It's John Byrne and George Perez. Oh, okay. So we're going um, with artists. I, 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 I'm good. When I think about it, I think about it as artists. Okay. Uh, I would have a different one for writers. Right, right. Um, gotcha. But Alex Toth. Interesting. Uh, who's uh, just one of my... Yeah. I just... I have like a whole... And uh, maybe Wally Wood. Oh, 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 no, no. I have to have Jack Kirby up here. Yeah, so, yeah. I was wondering. So I'm, I'm sorry. Perez, <laughs> Perez and Byrne are going to have to get kicked off. Right. And I have to put up Kirby there. And then uh, I also have to put Steve Ditko up there. Steve Ditko. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I remember we were talking about... I, I think you... We were talking about maybe Days of Future Past. Like, I referenced the... The, the Perez-John uh, Byrne rivalry from back in the day, which was before my time, I guess. Yeah. But I caught a little bit of it, and then you like you were like, how do you even know about that? That's like before your time. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm a nerd. I, I, I follow up an artist. <sighs> my brother and I used to fight all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was the George Perez guy. I loved John Byrne, right? And like, I loved Days of Future Past. But right. I was like, no, it's George Perez. Right. And, uh, and that was yeah. the, the debate back then, yeah, right? Yeah, and that was, yeah, that was it. And, you know, and really the, an- the actual answer should have been Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Oh, whoa. yeah, that's right. He's, uh, he's up there. He's under- underrated, even though Very as much underrated. hype as he gets, super underrated. Yeah. His Atari Force, have you ever gone back and looked at those? No. Gorgeous? He, he, gorgeous. Gor- <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like bad paper, uh-huh. old, you know, flat coloring, but it's still... Oh, you mean the best coloring? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> still beautiful. Right. Um, it's so funny, like, two of the best-looking books from that era of comics right. might be him on Atari Force uh-huh. and Mike Golden on Micronauts. Mike Golden Marvel. on Micronauts, okay. Yeah, Michael Golden on Micronauts might be... That might be the two best artists doing, like... I call that the plastic age of comics. Plastic age? Yeah, like, you know, Silver Age, Golden Age, Bronze Age. Oh, right, plastic, plastic Age is when everything was based... ROM yeah. and Shogun Warriors and yeah. Micronauts and Atari Force. Right, right. <laughs> you know, everything was based on toys or trying to be toys. Yeah, yeah. G.I. No, oh, Joe. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. I grew up in the, I guess, the Chromium Age or the, <laughs> the foil age of comic books. The Chromium. The holographics. That's perfect. <laughs> The Chromium Age, that the perfect description of the 90s. Yeah, exactly. So when I came along, it was uh, McFarlane or Jim Lee. That was the debate. That was a big sure. fight. And then, yeah, the correct answer was always... Uh-oh. Rob Liefeld. <laughs> okay. I thought I burnt my phone out for a second there. <laughs> right. But I just had my sunglasses on, and yeah. I can't see the screen. Right. I was like, oh, no, my phone's a brick. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Jim, Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane was... The big uh, debate. It's so funny too because Todd McFarlane was not like a new guy. When, oh really? When like when all the like yeah you know like Hulk and Spider Man were where people noticed him, but he'd yeah. been at DC from like the eighties. He used to do like Infinity Inc. Infinity <laughs> Inc. Sure. And like and he would do like and it was so funny because he yeah. stood out then. He wasn't like technically as advanced as he would be later on. But like he You're being would very like, kind right now. He would uh, he would do a lot. But I mean he would I mean he fill a page, you know. Yeah. Uh, but he would do all this like crazy stuff with borders and. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like it would like he would be like Rosa. I remember there was. The, the, this is why I remember him. Uh-huh. Um, 
in in the eighties is he did a comic with Rose and Thorn uh-huh. in Infinity Inc. Right. And like like he would do like this. It's really pretentious, right? Like, but like all the panel yeah. borders would be like vines with roses wow. and thorns. That's and, that's definitely his style. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, but it stood out, you yeah. know. And I was like, oh, who is this guy? And he do like webs, of course. Later oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah. Everything had webs. Yeah. They don't yeah. do that anymore. Nobody. I mean, even uh, the, the the way comics are right now, with I guess I don't know. It started with. Uh, the Authority, I guess. Did you ever read that? The... I've, I've read a little bit. I've read like two trades of The Authority. Yeah, the ultimate stuff. So now it's all cinematic. It's all, I guess, more realistic. So people don't, especially in the mainstream comics, they don't play around with stuff like that anymore. Well, they don't push, yeah, they, push the They envelope. barely use panel gutters anymore. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I, it's funny because yeah. I think that the gutters play such an important role. Right in telling you you know that's like the frames of a movie right it tells your eyes when to jump forward in time yeah and people just fill up a page and there's like a black line you know around like a panel yeah it doesn't really work yeah that's true but i think but i think there's this like idea that the white panel gutters or webbed or thorny (laughs) panel gutters are somehow old-fashioned i guess yeah i know old-fashioned and like i guess on a practical level they take more time but like even like Eisner was doing stuff like that in the oh in yeah the, in the forties he was like playing around he was like pushing the medium. I, Eisner's probably on my Mount Rushmore too, by the way. I forgot. Yeah, Eisner. Uh, I've I've seen. I, I don't know enough about it, but if you've ever seen Windsor McKay stuff, the yes. Little Nemo stuff. Oh yeah, I have it on my coffee table. Literally, oh, nice. that's my coffee table book is Little Nemo. Right. So you've uh, maybe you could uh, tell me more about it, but I think he was doing the same stuff that Eisner was doing. Oh, yeah, do, like, doing like experimental. these really experimental, really yeah. crazy, really playing around with the structure of the page right. and and the way panels bled into each other and, like, almost like, yeah, well, it all took place in a dream. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it really captured that kind of, like, sure, yeah. fluid way that dreams sort of shift from scene to scene, uh-huh, and, uh-huh, you know, sure. and, like, there's not really this continuity. Yeah. You and, know. And he was around, like, I want to say, like, Oh, it's 30, on. 40 years before Eisner. Yeah. And yeah. nobody, I mean, yeah, nobody talks about him too much. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I think people, I, I think that if you, you talk to some, certainly some of the older comic book people I know yeah. will certainly reference him, but I think he's, I think he's been forgotten. I, I think that, I'm not sure, there may be some stuff in his work that's problematic now. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. I, I haven't even gone back. Oh, and really? Looked yeah. At it. Well, same thing with Eisner. With, same uh, thing with What's Eisner. his name? With uh, Ebony. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, although, although you know, like the character Ebony is written as a pretty intelligent, capable okay, character. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah. it's it's like an unfortunate presentation. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's, uh, that's the thing with with everything now, right? Yeah. Like, you just have to look. I don't know. Like yeah. stand on the the debate, but. Uh, so they're still good. They're still great I, I, material, I, right? I I believe in context mm-hmm. uh, and intent to some to some degree with older right. stuff. Right. But I I do you know I find myself leaning more and more in the direction of being like okay well yeah this is a problem and you know you can, you can find stuff that's not problematic to look you know I don't yeah. know it's it's a difficult it's a difficult thing to, to weigh obviously Eisner you know one of the all time great storytellers mm-hmm. uh, someone who has written some pretty seminal books on how to tell comic book stories right right uh-huh. um, and he, uh, yeah and has just also written some incredibly sensitive and powerful stories. True. You know, as he went on his life. Like, I, I think that the thing is, if you take a snapshot of people somewhere, okay, you can find an unflattering 
portrait of them. That's true, yeah. And, and you, yeah, you really do have course. to look at where people end up and what they do with their lives and yeah. and, and how they, you know, if someone's, if someone's being, like, really shitty their whole life, then you can call them a shitty person. I think if someone <laughs> starts out in a shitty place and right. ends up somewhere else, I think we got to give them credit for that journey. Yeah. Like, look at, like, Frank Miller, like, his stuff recently, like, he gets a lot of uh, flack but uh, he's on the opposite journey I uh, yeah, exactly like he's going <laughs> I don't know what journey he's on he's walking backwards but uh, I mean like his work, body of work man uh, those those daredevils yeah that that was a that was a book that also pulled me back into comics at some point that's true you know getting getting into those like into that Frank Miller Klaus Janssen yeah run of daredevil with Electra and yeah I was looking. I was like, I, I was trying to think, like back to uh, Perez and Byrne. I remember trying to figure out who had the better career, just looking at the, just trying to get the average of uh, all the all the legendary stories that they did. And both of it's so hard to figure out. And same thing with Frank Miller. Like he's got, he's got his hits. He's got so many recognizable hits. Um, although, like compared to Byrne and, and Perez, he, he his, his output is a little bit on the lower end. Yeah. But then he has like 300, he has like Sin City. Uh, and then over on, on like Perez and Burn, they have like these seminal runs and they have like events, like epic events. Sure, Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, the, those three definitely stood out. Have like, you gone back and looked ever at the Electra Lives Again hardcover? Right, I've never seen that. So oh my God. You're gonna... So <laughs> you, you, I'm, I'm telling you, if you wanna... Uh -huh. So the book is, I think, one of the best pieces, has some oh. of the best storytelling I've ever seen. Okay. Um, uh, Lynn Varley, right? That's Oh, she colored she that? She colored it, but she oh, yeah, painted yeah. the color. Right, right. And so there's some stuff in there that is so marvelous. Uh-huh. I, I, you you oh, should see if you could see, you could see if you can find it. No pun intended. <laughs> you should you should see if you can find it find it somewhere or find like a, I mean just find it online. I don't know. Right. But like it's. I think you'll like, and I know you're a Bullseye fan. Yeah. So um, there's yeah. some really great Bullseye stuff in there. But right. it's it's like one of the best pieces of storytelling I've ever seen in my life. That's the Sinkovich stuff, right? No, no, no. So, oh, uh, sorry. So Electra, there was the Electra Assassin, okay. which is the 12 issue Sinkovich Miller miniseries, which is also right. stunning. Yeah. But then there was a. Who then drew there was, that? Uh, Frank Miller wrote and drew it, oh, okay. and Lynn, Var and Lynn wow. Varley painted, colored it. Oh, I've never even heard of it. And this. it was a hardcover. It was like oversized. Uh -huh, and like, uh -huh. It's like super weird product that's difficult to put on a shelf or in a bin. Right, right, yeah. You know, so, but, yeah. Did you ever, I mean, I don't know if this is like a sensitive topic, but have you ever, like, read any of the Magic comic books? Uh, a little bit. I read some, I, I tried to write, uh, I tried to get a job writing it for Valiant. Oh really? Okay. Uh, in the '90s. Yeah. I haven't read any of the new ones. Right. Yeah. What about you? Um, no, I've never. Like, I'm kind of comic book snooty when it comes to licensed properties. <laughs> so I've never. Like, although, like lately, I've been looking at a lot of the stuff that IDW does. Yeah. Apparently, they do like really good um, Transformers. They've been doing. Oh, really Matt good... Wang. Matt Wang. Longtime <laughs> listeners know Matt Wang. Uh, Matt's a huge Transformers comic book fan. He loves their work on Transformers. Right. Yeah. Uh, like Brian just clued me in on his comic book earlier comic book career and like you guys have no idea 
uh, at the stuff that he's been involved in. Like, I'm like, oh, you did that? Like, oh, you own that? You created that? And even if I've been listening for a while, like, I had no idea. Well, it's, it's a magic podcast, Roach. We don't talk about comics <laughs> or the NBA right. or movies or, or TV or wrestling <laughs> or anything. It's strictly magic, as you could tell by our last half hour or so. You know? Yeah. Now, you, you, don't, you don't actually... Are, so you're the guy right now who has stopped playing magic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 disco- I, was, I am an OG when it comes to magic. I was around for, for phthalids and personal incarnation and <laughs> whatever, the original, like, uh, like soul you, rings and like stuff. Like, you got in around, re- what, revised? Around revised. That's where it hit the Philippines? Yeah, that's, we, we, it, there's like a one-year lag, I guess, for, for stuff coming in. So, and then it got, it got kind of big. Um, in the Philippines, and then I just kind of grew up, grew out of it, and then came back in perfect timing. I came back, and it, Time Spiral was out, so it was like, oh, okay, we're just we're just doing the same thing. We're just doing this again. Yeah, and I got to 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 like see catch up on what I missed. So it was a, like the perfect set, and and uh, there'd be like, the, what do you call them? The Time Spiral reprint cards. Oh, sure, the the. the... The bonus sheet, whatever. Yeah, the bonus watch. sheet, and like, oh, Island Sanctuary or or, or whatever, Sacred. Oh, cave. Island Sanctuary is modern legal. I didn't even think about that. Oh really? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I was there for I I was early on. I'm I missed Necro, ne- Necro Summer. Like that's oh, how wow. old I am. So I missed that, and so it, it was always like me and my play group. Um, we just uh, had a incestuous uh, meta game amongst ourselves. So we'd have stuff like like stuff with like um, goblin, oh jeez, mud mud button, torch runner, mud button cohort or tor- torch runner, like oh, torch runner, something yeah. like that. Like n- nobody ever talked about that in in, in professional magic, or but but I I have like deep memories of getting killed by that card again and again. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that's why I got into magic and I found out like through you and Mike and the stuff you you guys were talking about like. Uh, uh, more about the pro tour and, and who the best players in the world were and I'm like oh the, and then and the best uh, deck builders I guess and, and theory and all that and yeah so that, that, that was cool to, to learn more about about the game but now but now you said you're not playing currently right you what, what's your relationship to magic right now right now um, right now I need to pick up the cards that I, I that were too expensive for me five years ago uh, <laughs> Um, like figure of destiny is like two bucks now, one buck. I'm like, well, okay, I pick up four. <laughs> so, so you're playing magic the way I read comic books. Yeah. Right? Like I go back and I'm like, oh, let me get these vision trade paperbacks by Tom King. Right, right. You know, and yeah, everyone's yeah. like, what are you talking about? This was me- this was <laughs> this the vision was standard playable three years ago, buddy. <laughs> and hey. you're like, figure of destiny, yes. Still good, still tier one, <laughs> tier one. Um, yeah, Tom King, whatever, he, he's so good. Uh, yeah, the, um, but sometimes like some cards are still expensive. Like I've always wanted the well, expensive is general uh, relative, but the the Titans. I was wanted to play oh, set sure. of the Primeval Titans, and they were down like a few months, a few years ago, and then now they're I'm like, oh, they're going back up to fifteen, whatever. Yeah, command commander ruins uh, card prices. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't sure, know. I'm sure. I'm, and and Primeval Titans, modern, very modern playable. Even up to now. Oh yeah, yeah. He's okay. Amulet Titan is a is a big deck. Okay, sure. Are, are the fairies still a thing? Am I showing my age for that? No, no. I mean, so Yuta Takahashi still wins modern events or does really well in right. modern events with it. Not a ton of people play it, uh-huh, but it's yeah. still out there. I mean, that's the great thing about modern is... Yeah. 
you know, anybody anybody can play. So, so I now see here. I was under the impression you weren't playing Magic anymore, but you're still keeping an eye on it, and you still do you play casually or? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, you know, at our age, we, we all teach our wives. <laughs> uh, we all let them win a little bit. My wife decided it was easier to let me go out and draft on Monday nights. <laughs> oh, okay. Than for her to learn. Yeah. She was like, no, I'm not too into this. Good choice, good choice. Um, yeah, so I don't really uh, play. I, I'm always into into gaming and game design. Like, I, I keep an eye on that. Um, but my play group is like, oh, they've all got whatever, kids and careers and, you know, that. So, so it, it's more of, I, I like to look at at the marketing and the design. Like I heard like, I just found out like Richard Garfield, he made like uh, Keyforge, you've heard yeah. of Yeah. I just found out about Keyforge. And then, so I'm like thinking, oh, okay, what an interesting idea. Like every deck is unique. Uh, and then, you know, it has, apparently it has its pros and cons. I look sure. dug deeper into it. Yeah. But yeah, like, oh, I, I like it when, when people push what, 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 what gaming can do, I guess. Yeah, well, Key, Keyforge connects that idea like what magic when you first heard about magic and you're like I'm gonna have my deck yeah yeah it's gonna be mine yeah and then I'm gonna play you and you won't have any idea what's in it <laughs> that's true oh ritual necro hippie oh right, 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 right. great <laughs> right you know yeah. but like you know that 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 real personalized aspect I and I love that Richard has continued to chase after that that's true yeah that goal right like that you know I, I just did a yeah. big thread on Twitter uh-huh. about magic as Garfield intended. Right. Because I feel like, you know, we use that phrase ironically all the time. Right. But I think that Commander yeah. is actually that. Right? Oh, because you have this, like, super personalized deck. Yeah. You don't have four of everything. You only have one of everything, actually. Right. That's true. And so, so you know, it, it, it plays a little differently each time. And every time you sit down with people, you right. have no idea what they're bringing to the table. It's not like going to a standard tournament. You're like, oh, okay, you're playing Esper Hero. Great. Uh, oh, you're right. playing Mono Red. You're that yeah. guy. Okay, yeah, that right? guy. Like the, I've know, been you, that guy. <laughs> that guy wins a lot. So you should be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, 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 and Commander actually, like, kind of embraces that that ethos of like uh-huh. your personal deck and your journey and your history yeah you've always been big on that yeah i remember like what are you talking about elder dragon highlander what? i was it's so funny i was so resistant to it for years really and then someone hit yeah, and you know what happened someone handed me a simic deck right and it had all my favorite cards in it <laughs> that's true and i got to play with them yeah you have I was to like, play because uh, it's only one per card so you have to play every yeah 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 and it was awesome <laughs> right right and then i've been hooked ever since and it's interesting it's cool that i mean this is like old news but it's cool that uh watsi embraced it and yeah turned it into a thing and and yeah everybody just has commander now like that's how much they yeah they, they got has, that, has that hit your play group at all i uh, i pitched it no they're they're very they're very like snooty about any kind of changes. They're get like, get off my mud button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, uh, uh, plain chase. What, what's plain chase? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no, just a regular old-fashioned. Like we don't even draft. I, I was very upset when I had to update my iPhone uh-huh. iOS because yeah. I had a bootleg plain chase app <laughs> that someone had like done, and Whoa. I got it and I downloaded it like the day before Wizard shut them down. Oh no. And oh, so I had it on yeah, my phone, that's cool. but when I updated my iOS, it was no longer supported. It couldn't be played anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. Right. So now I have to go actually get, like, a plain chase set if I want to ever do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. I, lo- I love the, I mean, the, the the changes that's happened. Like, at first, I was really hesitant about, like, even, like, Planeswalkers. That, that they, they came out when I was still playing. 
and I don't know. I mean, yeah, you haven't played War of the Spark. Clearly, you'd, you'd be a little less, you'd be a little <laughs> less high on the Planeswalkers. Right. No, but I, I, like I said, I'm going to San Diego Comic Con, and I have a friend who's really into, still into magic. He's, I, I'm going to go with him. He's going to play in a few events. So. Oh, it's 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 a lot of fun actually. They they, right. they do a really nice job with the magic events at Comic Con. Okay. And you'll you'll have, you should you should actually get into like a chaos draft or do something like that. Yeah, you'll yeah. have a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I still I still remember my 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 phases and and like uh damage doesn't go on the stack anymore i, I know i know <laughs> yeah but i mean even for interrupts or or is that a thing yeah. <laughs> interrupt speed <laughs> do you remember do you remember your uh, healing fate the healing step god uh packets <laughs> <laughs> healing packets uh, like, we're, we're we're old <laughs> fortunately for you i'm still older than you and i always will be so yeah. um all right well Butch, what, uh, what, what's something if people want to look for your work? Where, where can they find you? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I draw a lot of stuff. Um, uh, Twitter and Instagram, it's uh, Butch Mapa. Uh, yeah, my, my website is butchmapa.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah, follow me. Check his stuff out, by the way. If you're looking yeah. for a comic book artist, I think you should hire this guy. <laughs> he does his... his biggest i think detriment might be that he's too versatile yeah. and has too many art styles <laughs> and so like i don't understand it how he can draw so well in like five different directions <laughs> it's pretty insane yeah. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes oh thank you uh with a link to that but uh but enjoy enjoy the rest of your time in new york yeah and uh enjoy the hell out of san diego you should definitely live tweet your experience oh, to me because sure. yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be there yeah. so I'm going to have to live vicariously through yeah. you. I'm excited to see all the cosplay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't have that too much in the Philippines and uh, yeah, thanks for uh, I had no idea you going to pull out the recorder. I'm like, kind of like, oh my God, kind of uh, bucket list dream come true. Sort of, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it's cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Butch. Okay, thank you. Hi everybody, Brian David Marshall here with Michael J. Flores. I'm in another coffee shop, although probably the sequence you'll be hearing these, uh, I will be in this coffee shop first and then be in Joe later. So you met with Butch Mappa, professional comic book artist and Top 8 Magic, longtime Top 8 Magic super fan. Yeah, I, super fan is a, clearly uh, an appropriate term. I mean, Butch drew you and me into an issue of Grim Fairy Tales. Not only did he do that, but he drew us on the corner of Waverly and Gay and included graffiti <laughs> about John Becker, about Martel's mom. Oh my gosh. And, uh, oh, there's something else. I don't know. He said, he's sending me the link to the old page again, yeah. which I wasn't able to find. Although I could probably find it pretty easily on Twitter. But uh, yeah, just like super nice guy, super talented. I don't, like, it's so funny, like, I was looking at his webpage for his artwork. Yeah. And he is, like, capable of drawing in, like, in all these, like, radically different styles. Yeah. Like, he has, like, one that's, like, this, like, almost, like, I would call it noir anime. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Oh, it's I'm... Just, it's just gorgeous. Sorry I missed. I had to... Yeah. Had to, you know... He was very upset. Grind the millstone a, today. He has a foil Borderland Ranger that he's going to get you to sign. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, well... I would, I would put an X in the corner. Yeah. It's a, not well known, but I'm illiterate. <laughs> he, uh, he's like, he loves, he's loving New York. Yeah. Yeah. He's got like a ton of family in the States. Is he just visiting? And he's been visiting and like, he's, he's like, I, I didn't, uh, Georgia, not so much. Eh, Ohio was okay. I really like New York. Yeah. And then he's like, 
you can tell he's like got that look. You know, anytime someone's in New York, they get that look where they're thinking about like, what could I? I could probably live here, right? And then he's just like, so how bad are the winters? He's from Philippines, <laughs> he's right? He's from Philippines. So he's like, it's he's like, it's a little cold for me right now. Yeah. <laughs> here. It's ninety degrees. Yeah, yeah. He's used to like nearly dying in a hundred plus degree weather with you know ninety nine percent humidity or something. Wow. He's like, there's two options for the weather. There's hot and sunny. Or hot rain. Yeah, there's monsoon. <laughs> like hot rain. Well, I'm sorry that I missed Butch. Did you miss the pre-release? I played in the pre-release. Okay, tell me about it. What happened? Um, I I opened uh, the three casting cost Chandra, and so did I. I opened uh, the four casting cost Flash Wolf guy. I didn't get that. Everybody actually. had that. I played. Everyone I had. I had it. Everyone I played had it. Um. And I opened some two air elementals, so I thought really deeply about going blue red, you know, for like kind of elemental elemental action. I actually ended up going red green, um, uh, and the cool interaction of my deck was I had the two three guy for three that puts a plus one plus one counter on an elemental. Three two guy, right? I thought it was two three. I think it's three, three two. two? Okay, yeah. if you say so. But you gain a life when a creature dies, yeah. and if an elemental dies, you put plus one, plus one on it. Yeah. yeah, so I got that and Chandra at the same time, so I was just hurling Chandra tokens into my opponent's stuff and just gaining two life per turn. I, at the end of that game, which was game one of, of the set, I was at, like, over 50 life, and my guy was, like, enormous yeah. also, yeah. right? More than enough to kill in one strike. But my opponent had... A lowly one-one death that touch. Scorpion. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't attack him. So I was like really wondering how I was gonna. I mean, I did. I did end up winning. Like I just yeah. was able to amass so much material. You figure out a way to kill a one-one eventually. No. No. No, I didn't. No. I didn't. No. But I did win. Uh, let's see. That I won. I won the first round. Um, I thought my deck was pretty good. Yeah. It turns out I think my deck is probably uh, slightly, look very slightly below average, but two colors. Sure. Right? So. Um, Second round, I played against. Uh, I, I chose to go second, right? Yeah. Which is I would typically choose to go second in a pre-release playing sealed deck, and, and and a lot of times in sealed in general. Yeah, and my opponent played the one-one black creature that you can pump to give it like plus and death touch. That card has already been written to mythic number one constructed status. So. He, on arena, he beat me game one very close, only because he played that on turn one. Like I. I was Imagine if he had four of them. Yeah, well, I was very close to stabilizing, and uh, he had an overrun. So he overrun. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's not in the deck on Arena. No, no. no. It's like a what's the name of the overrun? Over, overcome. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's like it's like a crappy overrun, but it's yeah. good enough over. It's limited, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Whatever the overrun is, he got yeah. me. So then I won game two, uh, despite the fact that he he played. The seven is it seven six black dinosaur that you discard a card creature per turn. The three casting oh, yeah. cost guy. Yeah. Big. The big, riding Ranger. Yeah, big stupid dinosaur. He he had that, uh, and I I just adroitly played past like this huge. You adroitly drew better than he did from the point where you guys had no I hand. Mean, he was like, no, he was way ahead. I I mean. At the end of that game, I said, I will concede that I drew four straight spells. That is true. It's a true statement. <laughs> but you didn't concede. What? But I, but uh, he, I don't know. So, I mean, this is a pre-release, so yeah. we're not, we're not looking for Kai Buddha 2019 level play here. 
See what I did there? Yeah. See that 19 Kaibudo is, is also still still goat level. Yeah. Oh, um, well, you haven't really gotten to take your victory lap on that oh, call, by the way. So, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, he made an, he swung with the Regisaur and two other guys this one turn. So I was just like, well, I'm gonna lose to the Regisaur if I lose to the Regisaur. I'm just gonna make the correct blocks here. And he's just like, yup. And so I just ate the other two guys. And I was just like, <laughs> really? He's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't attack with them. I'm like. Well, yeah, you basically have the abyss, but now I have a two-creature advantage on you. <laughs> I'm just gonna swing with all my guys and like leave back a token every turn. Hope you can't kill it. <laughs> that worked out, right? Yeah. So um, then in game three, he switched. Uh, yeah, he just had a whole other deck, right? Yeah. He switched to as a, you often do. Yeah, he switched to a blue-red deck, which I think was superior actually. Yeah. He had um, the the a, a three casting us artifact that uh, buffs elementals and then also you can like tap it to gain elementals. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So um, he first played it when he had enough mana to to tap it and get the blue-red 2-2 haste guy. And he won the race solely on the fact that the elemental he flipped on the first activation, which was now attacking for three, right? So he had already a 2-1 flying elemental you got me for six that turn. I would have won the race on the. So like, I'm like, it's just like you know, if he just got an air elemental and said, you know, I would have won the race. You know, but he'd got me for six in the air. Yeah. Uh, which was, well, yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. Um, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he was bewildered because I, you know. Because you beat him that second game. Well, because well, I chose to draw. Well, oh yeah. The other thing is like, so, so my choosing to draw like is exacerbated by the fact that he had this outstanding one drop. Yeah. Right. So and I'm like, look, if you drew anything else, I probably I, I would have I was going to stabilize, you know, like. But he did so much damage. Here's a question for you. I mean, it, I, th I think conventional wisdom is drawing sealed, right? So here's my thinking. Okay. Yeah. Let's Start, walk a little bit. So right. let's, let's head out. I mean, it's I know it's hot out, but okay. So walk down to the park. Hang on one second, listeners. So, certainly at a pre-release, you know, I've... So, 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 the, so, I mean, so there's a little bit of, like, snarkiness, right, when you talk about choosing to draw at a pre-release. No, no, no. No, no, what I'm saying is, the way, the way it was taught to me by Eric Kesselman... <coughs> yeah. ...was, look, if you think you're better than your opponent at this sort of like si significantly yeah right like and i think most people would assume who who are enfranchised magic players versus random player at a pre-release right who you know might just be playing in their quarterly game of magic yeah um the only thing you're gonna really lose to or the thing you're most likely to lose to is just not having enough material in yeah. play to be able to execute your strategy and therefore just and their decks are probably last tuned but so here's the thing though i think that with the advent of things like limited resources and like all this other discussion about limited players are generally across the board better at that level i agree and sealed decks used to be dog shit like you just did not have enough cards at some point, certainly from our era of seal deck, to like build a deck that had a mana curve and had a plan and had like just this kind of scripted turns that where you could just 
destroy somebody with the synergies built into the two colors you end up playing and have no shortage of playables in. So, so like, I, I feel like there's a lot of times where we, we sort of as older Magic players default to draw first and we probably should be thinking about playing more. So these are, these are my thoughts. First of all, I did not have a curve deck. I understand right, that, so. and that, and that is, and that's Sorry. something different. But your opponent is, you know, I think it's increasingly likely that your opponent does. But you can also reevaluate after game one. I mean, the guy who beat me had two different good two-color decks. Right. The other two players I played, which supports both, my claim that people just have no shortage of playables. Yeah, both had three-color decks, for sake of argument. Okay. Yeah. No three-color sealed deck. I mean, maybe like two and a light splash for a fire, you know, something yeah. like that. Fine play if you've got a curve deck, but no one, nobody plays in their right mind with a three-color seal deck. Come on, seriously, right? So, if that's the case, just to begin with, by choosing to go second, I am robbing my opponent of the correct play. That's the first thing that I'm thinking. About. Now, secondly, I didn't have a curve deck, and but a lot of the cards in my deck, at you know you know, three through whatever, are gonna trade, ad, you know, they're gonna trade fine with, right. with all these cards that are kind of in a certain band in my opponent's deck. So like, if my two or three drop is gonna be capable of trading with their four drop, for sake of argument, like, let's say I have like a, two, a three, three for two, right? Then like, they gained almost nothing. Sure. By going first. And all that's happening is I'm gaining uh, an additional card that I can use to beat them. And then I think third and most importantly, everybody's seal deck has some busto thing, right? Like, or just like a, some really good rare, right? Sure. Or two. I'm just increasing my likelihood of finding one. Sure, here, but here's by the going second. But here's the thing. So this is something I've talked about on Marshall's podcast that I sort of define, you know, sort of coining this idea of defining limited formats as print or pauper formats. Yeah. And like limited formats have become I think increasingly print formats, like where they're much more dominated by the commons and uncommons. Yeah. And and I'm obviously, you know, bomb rares are still bomb rares. It is gorgeous today. Yeah, it's really this insane. This park is gorgeous. The grass is gorgeous. Yeah. What the heck's going on? Yeah, it's kind of a perfect day out. Wonderful. Um, but it's anyway. a little cold for Butch. It's a little cold but, for Butch. You know. It's a little chilly. All right, so you think that like the random, yeah, I mean like, like I just I think well, all I'm saying is I I so, in again, in the interest of fairness here, I chose to draw multiple times during my pre-release, you know, because for exactly the reasons I laid out, where I'm like, okay, I don't think I'm playing someone who is as experienced as I am or whatever, but then when I played Adam Rubens in the finals, someone I've been playing Magic against forever at the 3-0. At the 3-0, yeah. I chose to draw. I chose to play, I mean, because his deck was very aggressive and very good and very consistent. <clears throat> because respect. Yeah. With a K. Yeah. So uh, last round, I played against someone. So that, I, I learned only in the last round that my deck was like below average. I thought my, I, I was under the impression that my deck was, was pretty good. I played against an actual good deck in the last yeah, round. So yeah. like a good like red-green deck. And the reason that his deck was so much better is like, my deck had like more Chandras. Maybe I think he had the Chandra actually, but I don't think he played it. 
uh, like my deck had an elemental interaction. <laughs> His oh. deck had elementals. Yeah. Okay. So like he, I mean, I think I had the Leaf Druid or whatever, but like he had like multiple elemental two drops, right? So he had the Leaf Druid and he had like the Crusade elemental okay. that buffs. Yeah. Like, what? Red green? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Red green guy. And then he had like every like sweet mid game elemental, like, you know, four, three trample, all your elementals, you know, trample, like stuff that makes elementals big, stuff that makes elementals strong. Is somebody drying their pants across this bench? I don't know. Or do you think someone just took off their pants to go lay down on the grass? I don't think so. I'm just looking around. I'm a little disappointed at, at uh, the, the not very many people laying out in the grass in the sun and the complete absence of bikinis. This is a, this is a terrible waste of a day <laughs> from that perspective. Oh, just wait till we finish this podcast. What? <laughs> You think they're going to come out in, in droves? No, I'm just saying the day is, can be further wasted. Oh, okay. Well, anyway. Um, so, I, yeah, he just soundly beat me. And so at first he was just like, you want to draw, right? Right. So we can draw into like, at one and one, right? We'd still draw into like a pack or something, uh. right? So, like, I'm not drawing. Like, so here's the thing about pre-release. I played Friday night. I play, fr I think I played Friday Night Magic. I want to say every single week of War of the Spark Standard. Wow. And I play, I think I played every week, and I played multiple standard showdowns you just also. Played, you played mono-red the entire time? No. I played black-red the first week. I played mono-red obstinately for uh, a stack of tournaments. I never won a single one. I 2 won uh, almost every single time with mono-red. Then I switched to mono-green, and I won, I think, four straight. Oh, okay. So um, I, I, I lost one total match with mono-green and sanctioned in four weeks. So uh, I thought Mono Green was an exceptional deck in War of the Star Spark Standard, and it was weird to me that nobody else played it. It's like actively weird. Do yeah. you, you know this deck? This like the Galta deck or? No, um, I mean, we can, we get, like I was, I was talking about this when I was podcasting with V, you know, he's just like, format solved. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. And I'm, I'm almost not ready for the next, the next, page to turn because I don't think the format's solved. I don't even think that like the optimal mono red deck was revealed. Right? Sure. But I'm not I don't know what's possible for quote the optimal mono red deck to have like five mismatched forecasting cost card draw spells and we're not even sure if it's supposed to have 19 or 20 land. Right. Right? Like that does not make sense to me, right? As an aficionado of mono red Including mono red of, of you know the the Dominaria era, you know the right. Goblin Chain Whirler era, you know like it just doesn't make. I don't I don't think that these are the right mono red deck. Right. And but anyway, I think mono green. I don't know if it was the best deck. It's very good, like very very good, and almost no one played it. Right. Like people be like, why did you play that? I'm like, I ran you over on the fourth turn. Why are you asking me that? Right. You know like, and the, so. The mono green deck that I played, it made top eight of like one Star City Games .com classic. It's like its entire claim to fame. And I'm like, oh, this deck has a lot of opportunity for improvement, but like the shell was awesome. So it's based on, it has like four Karn, four Nyssa, four Ugin. And then like I played Land of War Elf and Incubation Druid. The version online had like Paradise Druid, I think two Paradise Druid, I put four Incubation Druid. But the reason I played Incubation Druid is I also had Jade Light Ranger 
and the deck has multiple Karn's Bastion, so that you actually are leveling the Incubation Druid for offense, right? So, sure. So you'll get situations where, like, you know, somebody will attack you, you'll block, level it, and Bastion, you know, like, some crazy scenarios that there's weird stuff on the table. Also, the deck is exceptionally good at ultimating Nyssa, so I don't know if you've ever ultimated a Nissa. No, so, I've, I've barely played with Nissa, to be honest. So it's pretty easy to ultimate a Nissa in this deck because of Karn's Bastion. So, like, all you got to do is not get Nissa killed. But at the same time, like, the Nissa, the Nissa trees or whatever, the forests that you're animating are typically, like, 4-4, four, 5-5, four, five, five, et cetera. So they're winning fights against Chain Whirlers and stuff like that as a result of, you know, this interaction with Karn's Bastion. So, anyway... Uh, to answer your where where we started at, I did not only play mono red, but I always played I always play standard on Friday. They didn't have standard last Friday because they just only had the pre-release. Right. So I played in the pre-release instead. Uh, it was only three rounds because I guess these store size pre-releases are not big. Right? No, so, no, no. I played three rounds and I actually I won the last round. My opponent's deck was superior. Uh, he crushed me in game one with that. Like I, I spent a lot of resources to kill his like two casting costs, sweet elemental, and he had pulled some Marasa. Um, I used to love that card. Well, he got me in game one with it. Then uh, games. Game, How likely do you think that card is to show up in standard? It was in standard last. I was time. gonna say. I'm. I, I. I remember. I'm saying like, how likely is it? You think in current standard? Uh, it depends which uh, kind of creatures are good, right? So. Like, I, I don't know, like, is a... What is if a, Massacre Girl's really good? Is Risen Reef the kind of card you want to get back? Yeah, I mean, I like... Uh, I, I've drafted a few multiple Risen Reef decks now. Oh, come on. And they're really good. Have you had Risen Reef, double Risen Reef with the new Crystal Shard? What's the new Crystal Shard? It's like, it's like blue two for, like, some blue artifact. And it's, like, one and tap, bounce target creature you control, uh, play it only on your turn. Like, okay. There's decks that are successful in Cinder right now that only have Risen Reef and, like, Leaf Crown Dryad as their only <laughs> elementals. They're, like, still bust out. I mean, Coiling Oracle was a constructed playable card, right? I mean, like, so the... Anyway. Yeah, we're, we're off track here. So I won the next two games. Uh, game two, uh, I just he was, I just outplayed him. Like, it was, you know, his deck was better. But, like, there, our cards are close enough in you, power. You missed and, uh, Mike going... <sighs> onto his like front knuckles <laughs> and then just like polishing them against his shoulder blade. Um, I did not do that. <laughs> I was actually just kind of scratching my knuckle on the end uh, of my cough because it was a little itchy. Maybe I got bit by a bug or outside. Yeah. yeah. So, and then game three, like I, I said, I didn't have a curved deck, but I, I came out pretty well. Like, I think he probably like misses their land drop or something. I had one of those where I had like, this is the curve in my deck, you know, the zero one wolf pup. I played that on turn three yeah. and then I, I made the sick follow-up of my flash wolf on the fourth turn, so I was like, yeah, more power. It's pretty good. <laughs> Let's get there. Um, and so I just, you know, I got him a little bit. He was like, you know, stumbling in a little bit. I got him in a little bit yeah. of a corner. And it was still real close. His deck was much better. Yeah. But. So you, you have fun? Yeah. I had fun on mine, too. So so you said you were going to start a thread about uh, me objecting to your hot take to take away. I did. Yeah. I did. So, I mean, so yeah, this is what I've been leading up to. It's like, I think the pre-release should die. This is what I think. Yeah. I had fun. Yeah. I was playing in the pre-release. All the, so, the, 
the store is full, right? So the store that I play in is actually often full for, yeah. for it's like it's crazy. Like Standard Showdown was even more popular than Friday Night Magic, and it's it's pretty full. Like there's it's it's all the seats are taken on a Friday yeah. night, right? So uh, between draft and and uh, and standard, by the time I get there, there's usually like three drafts going, and then like one standard tournament. Going, right? So everyone's just like ribbing me. They're like, "You never play limited, right?" And I'm like, well, "Let me play constructed tonight. What am I gonna do?" Right, so you know, haha. So we're playing, we're playing limited. So they got me to pay forty bucks instead of instead of twelve bucks, and I had fun with my you know yeah. quarterly limited tournament of the year. Right. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, I wouldn't do it every week. Right. But like, you know, like, but do you, do you feel? I so I don't feel like the pre-release just needs to exist as it was. So when we obviously when we started playing, dinosaurs roam the earth, right? You know, the DCI rules were written on stone tablets, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I know. Um, but the pre-release was like a mystery, mysterious event. You didn't really know what you were going to open. Yeah. You kind of the cards were. It was really but exciting. Every maybe, card's been maybe maybe point. there was like a leak of what the full card list was the morning of the pre-release on Saturday. Yeah. Um, they were big events, obviously, which I, I'm fine. I was fine with. Big you like like the nine round pre-release. What? You like the nine round? No, I like the small event. I, I'm glad that the big events are gone. The big events are not. Uh, we're not good for local stores and not good for the, mag- the health of the magic community. They, they ultimately, I mean, I should know, I ran them and they harmed other stores. Because like I, one person would draw all Yeah, the- like I, so I used to, I mean, so I didn't run, mag- I sold my share in running magic events, but I got the rights to run Yu-Gi-Oh events for a while. Most people don't know this. Yeah. I ran, I was the official Yu-Gi-Oh tournament organizer for New York and I ran the Yu-Gi-Oh pre-release, right? And so like, I would make a lot of money running a Yu-Gi-Oh! pre-release. Like, at the store? I, I would run it at the store. At the store that you didn't own anymore? The store I didn't own anymore. <laughs> right? Like, did, I you, would, did you pay rent? I would, I would give them something. We would work out some sort of yeah. deal for the space. But like, the thing is, the kids would play. They would have an opportunity to play in multiple events. Yeah. Sign up for multiple flights of things. They would leave with every card they ever needed. Yeah. And then they would never buy another card for the rest of that cycle. You know, and uh, and like, so these people are just going back to their local stores, and they're not putting money into their local stores, right? Like, so it was just a bad deal um, in general, and I and I and I have to imagine it was the same way for Magic. But uh, but I I think I think between like all the early release stuff that happens now, right? Like, there's a pre pre release on LRR, not like the old unofficial pre pre release that tournament organizers would often run with their friends. But that is that the origin of the midnight pre release? I mean, Thursday pre release, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, you know, the, there's the pre pre release on LRR where people get to play with the cards for the first time. There's early access events for streamers on Magic Arena where they're already building constructed decks. And it's crazy play- to me that there's all these constructed decks that are out there. Correct. On, and also on MTGO. Right. Magic Online, it was available on Magic Online before it was available. The pre release just doesn't feel special in the sense of this first look. It is still a super fun event. I love going and meeting my friends again and seeing people I haven't seen in a while and playing with the cards in person in a tournament for the first time. So this is what I did. It does not need to be called a pre-release anymore. Just make it the release weekend. This is what I didn't like. It took my Friday Night Magic slot. I played in the normal slot that I played Friday Night Magic. I played in the pre-release event, right? Yeah. I so I I think that was was Friday, right? Yeah. So I had taken two days off because like Thursday was the Fourth of July. Um, I ran a race with Catherine. I saw. 
Yeah. I'll show you the worst picture ever taken. I saw the worst picture no, 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 ever no. taken. Oh, there's there's one that's worse than the one you posted as the worst Catherine picture Catherine said that taken? she I was so brave because I told her I was going to put the worst picture ever taken to me. And then I put, like, the Whatever. fourth picture in that cycle. Whatever. You look, look at this. I look like I'm having a seizure. Yeah, but you also look skinny as fuck, so, so it's all right. That, so what did I put up? This one? Yeah, so I'm like... So it's weird, like, how bad I look in this one versus, like, these other ones. Just like, a second later. But like this, this is the worst picture ever taken of anybody. Like I, I was hit with a seizure stick. I think with that one. She's like, "You're so brave. People are gonna love it. You're so vulnerable. You know, showing up vulnerability." Yeah. And I'm like, ah, "I put up this other one." She's like, "You're a coward." <laughs> and she's always right. Yeah, well, she is. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So then, uh, so I guess they were running pre-release events all day Friday, but I was just hanging out with my family, and then I was like, "Oh shoot!" I was. <laughs> to play magic tonight right and i actually i called the store ahead of time because I, I i like intuited that the schedule was going to be different and if i hadn't i would have missed it because yeah. i had to be there like an hour early because like yeah. normally they start at seven or whatever right. but when it started at six had to be there at five you know because there's a line but wouldn't, wouldn't you get like in. but anyway i guess they were running all weekend right yeah. and i could oh, yeah. i could have played in more but i only played in the one right People were real excited. So people I've never seen in the store were like with their friends who I've never seen in the store, and they're like, "We're coming back tomorrow," you know? Right, for more pre-release. Yes, more. Pre but, but here's so here's what I would suggest instead of the pre-release: Friday and Saturday, you do the same exact thing. It's but it's release weekend. You can also just buy packs from the store. The stores can crack packs and sell singles. It's just release weekend, and on Sunday. Just like on Magic Online and just like on Arena, on Sunday, there's a standard showdown with the new cards. And it's just like, let's just play. It's not even legal yet, right? Right. But you can make it legal for that event. No, no. In real life, right? Like, yeah. if I want to play, is there even going to be an FNM this week? Do you think, like, if I show up? I think it's legal this weekend, isn't it? Is that legal on Friday? I think so. I don't have my I have cards. No uh, yeah, Where exactly. would I have gotten them? That's true. The set isn't released. See, but that's true. Like, just, just, re if, but if it was released the Friday, like, just release it all at once. Like, all of those people who went to the store and you never saw before, are they necessarily coming back next week to do it again? Wouldn't you rather let them just buy all the magic cards they want to buy and then therefore be deeply invested in the game and now want to come back and play on a constructed Friday Night Magic? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, I wish I had thought, I mean, I actually thought about it at the time, but I wasn't brave enough to beg people's like uh, arena things out of their boxes. People, like a lot of people don't play arena. Oh yeah. Right, so you get like the free arena things. Oh. So I, and I, I thought about it, but I just didn't actually like I guess have, I probably have one of those in my pre-release yeah, kit. I didn't have the chutzpah to ask anybody, but I saw on Facebook, somebody was like, yeah, I got eight today. People just, I just asked for them. People just gave wow. them. Yeah. As an advocate for magic, shouldn't you be encouraging them to use their codes? I didn't ask. I understand. But I would have. Yeah. Oh, when, sure. I'm an advocate for magic second. And I'm an advocate for me first. I got you. The second consecutive set that I forgot to do the 50 for 50 thing. Oh, me too. Forgot. Me too. Um, but what do, you, what do you think about my idea? Like, how do you feel? Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just deeply in, entrenched in, in tradition. In, uh, yeah. Steeped in authoritarianism. So you, so, so you think that the name... The title, the brand, pre-release is so important that you couldn't rebrand the same event essentially as release weekend or early access weekend or fuck big box store weekend. Uh, fuck big box store weekend, I could get behind. <laughs> yeah. And 
Because it has the word fuck. Yeah, sure. Fucking box. Oh, God. Oh! Um, I'm in. <laughs> so we'll call it Fuck Box Weekend. Yeah, okay. You think KYT will entitle this one Fuck Box Weekend? No, if we this is... This, this, there's already a title for this episode. It's not Fuck Box. No, it's... <laughs> It's so funny because Butch was asking me why we don't curse more on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's called <laughs> the best comic book podcast ever. It probably is. That's what he said our podcast yeah. is. Nice. Anyway, uh, I'm not invested. I actually don't care. Okay. Uh, that will be the only limited tournament that I play in probably for three months. Right. Right? Like, the only way that I play in a limited tournament, I think, is, like, if I showed up to play and then they'd be like... Uh, like, you know, not enough people showed up for Constructed. I'll be like, all right, time in for a draft, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I used to play at, what is the, what's the store in the village called? Uncommon. Uncommons. I play F&M there. I, I play. Where, where, wait, where do you play now? Montessi? Montessi. Oh, okay. Uncommons doesn't have Constructed. Oh. But I used to play F&M at Montessi. I'm sorry, at Uncommons, and they only have draft. Okay. So don't tell anybody. But that's where I, I would always play F&M back in the day. Right. And play draft. And then... At some point, I realized that I could play constructed yeah. F and M. Bunch of little sharks at Montessi. You think? Oh yeah, you go in there. And the kids are all like, "Want to play modern? Want to play modern?" Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. but I got modern. On. Modern? <laughs> modern? It's crazy. I got modern on me. It's it's burn. Yeah. Like I I, uh, I was playing burn in standard, and I was like, hey, "You want to play modern?" Then I'm like, "What do you got, burn?" I'm like, "No, no, no modern." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, burn." <laughs> Killed him. <laughs> All right, so... You ever read Idol Honor the Great Revel Kid? Yeah. I miss it. Don't worry, I miss it one in five I'm, times. I, I missed it once in 2014. Never again. Never again? I have not missed you, it you since said 2014. You said you haven't missed the uh, Idol on Trigger? Absolutely not. So if someone sees, gets a post, a picture of you missing an Idol on Trigger... Let me tell you something. Would that be the ugliest picture of you first, of all time? First of all... You miss a Pro Tour top eight on an Eidolon trigger? There. You do not make that miss. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Also, I have so many reps with Eidolon of the Great Revel at sure. this point. Like, I play, if the format has Eidolon of the Great Revel, I think that I have X minus one tournaments of formats I could have played Eidolon of the Great Revel that I played Eidolon of the Great Revel. I played Grixis in a modern tournament once. So, so modern. Yeah. How do you feel about the not enough not enough not enough you think Hogak's still gonna show up not, yeah yeah it overperformed on every metric but without, for four without weeks without bridge from below I don't know you, like I mean basically you're saying you're just like all in on Delve as your ban cards until burn is best <sighs> but but you are but you are I mean saying Delve is how that card's gonna function now right like you can't really create that critical mass of tokens to convoke it back out with without bridge from below. Um, I mean, I think it's still viable. Well, I just don't think it's gonna be that. I don't think it'll be good enough. I just, I just hate it. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably gonna switch to Azorius in modern. Really? Yeah. You're just gonna, you're just gonna Shaheen Sarani it up? Does he play cards that cost less than four? I mean, sometimes. So here's my thing. Did I tell you this? No. So instead of playing Jace's, which I don't own, that's a very expensive card. I can loan you a Jace. Yeah. <laughs> Need more than one. I'm going to pretend that the reason I'm not playing Jace's is because of Narsets. 
Yeah. But the real reason is because they're expensive AF and I don't own it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to play Karn at the four. Okay. And I'm just going to have Mycosynth Lattice in my sideboard of my blue-white deck. Oh. And people are not going to see it coming unless they listen to this podcast. Okay. And then That's, people... There's literally dozens of them, right? And then, then people are going to be like, oh shit, that guy just countered my spell when he cast a Mycosynth Lattice. I wasn't prepared for this. And I'm going to be like, I know. But I'll have to, I own the other Planeswalkers. So I'm good for like Teferis and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I own Cryptic Command, for example. Can't, can't like... I think I, have, I, think I own Texas Cryptic Command. I think you can get Josh Ravage to own you. Josh Ravage sold all of his cards. He doesn't matter. He can still summon several Jace the Mind Sculptors to loan you. So... At a moment's notice. Long story short, I still need to obtain some Celestial Colonnades, but I, I own the rest of the deck. Okay. So... I think I have Colonnades. So, um... The, so anyway, long story short, I, I want to play this. Like, if you play Karn, you could just cast Karn on turn four and then just immediately go get a card like uh, Tormont's Crypt and play it. Yeah. Right? Just play it on turn four, yeah. and it's, it happens. Yeah, it Karn's occurred. good. Yeah, like... Karn's good. Yeah, like, you can get Ensnaring Bridge, right? You can get, you know, Witchbane Orb. There's all kinds of things that you can get that mess people up. Yeah. In Modern... And it's different than when you play it in a green deck. Torpor Orb. Why would I do that? I don't know. Why would I play Torpor Orb? You might want one. I mean, that doesn't even break up any of the combos people do. Maybe. Who knows what they're going to do? I don't think it breaks up anything. It doesn't stop you from turning your infect guy into a giant dragon. Does it break up Neoform? Does Neoform have any kind of playability stuff? Doesn't, no, you need Graph Digger's Cage, which I, which I oh, could okay. get. Oh, okay. Get Graph Digger's Cage. That's well, fine. but that's a five mana sequence, not a four mana sequence. Yeah. So, Tormod's Crypt is great because it's zero. Yeah, right? yeah. But I think I'd play like one Tormod's Crypt, a Graph Digger's Cage, you know, and then have like a Mycosynth Lattice, all, all, the, all the nonsense. Yeah. So, but you're, I mean, talk to me about the, the Bridge from Below banning. Like, what do you think they should have done? I mean, or, or Ban you all three. Ban all three being yeah. Faithless Looting, Bridge from Below, and Hogak? Uh, or no, Altar ban, of Dementia? Ban Altar of Dementia. Okay. I think Altar of Dementia is the most dangerous of the cards. Right. Here's the thing about Altar of Dementia. Nothing good can come of it. Right? Like, it's, it's not a good card. It's but, not good for magic. Right? Like, it's not good for a format that, like... I like modern. Can we, can we build, it's an interactive format can we where build, people play a recognizable deck against each other. Is there some Altar of Dementia deck we can build with Zathrid Necromancer? Which one is that? That's the one that's like, it's like Caller of the Claw or whatever. It's like every time a human of yours goes, non-token human, I think, goes to the graveyard. Make a put guy. It, make a 2-2 guy. Why don't I just play, why don't I just play Mem Knight and, and Enduring Room and win on the third turn? Okay. Yeah, see, it's not good for magic. Yeah, and well, Enduring Renewal, by the way, is a card. It's on the uh, bonus sheet in uh, Time Spiral. And uh, people don't know that that card's in Modern. Yeah, so you can easily win on the third turn by playing second turn, Alter Dementia, third turn, pitch a Spirit Guide, cast Enduring Renewal, and then cast the Mem Knight in your hand. Good game. Yeah. It's over. What life are you at? A million. How many poison counters do you have? Negative two million. You're dead. Turn three. Yeah? 
Sounds great, right? Sounds awesome. I want to do this. Yeah. We could probably play it in the same deck as As Foretold. Ooh. Yeah. This is, uh, see how this gets more and more fun for the other player? I mean, it does. if the other player is me also playing the yeah. deck, then yeah. Sounds awful to me. <laughs> you know what else we could do? What? We just play Teferi 3 so that no one would ever break up our combo. Oh. We just cast it on turn two because we have Simeon Spirit Guide in our deck. Then we just level it up and never use its other ability because its only job <laughs> is to make us not lose. Yeah, see, it's awful, right? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. smiling. Yes, you're an awful person. Oh. Yeah, I like this deck. Yeah. I love Enduring Renewal. <laughs> yeah, and it's also an as foretold. It's also an as foretold, what do you call it? Uh, uh, we is can this, play. Is it, have, you, have you podcasted about this deck elsewhere? No. You're just making this deck I'm up making right it now? up on the fly. That's awesome. Right, so our deck is like... As foretold, uh... So what does the uh, As Foretold do for you? So, will you just play it with cards that that cost zero? For example, um... Uh, what do you call it? The, uh... Memnite. Uh, the, the, the draw three, uh... Sure, Ancestral Vision. Yeah, so you play it with that, but the reason that you would do that is because you're gonna play Teleria West anyway, which can tutor for zeros, because you're sure. gonna want that card so you can tutor for Memnite. Mm. Right? So, might as well. Sweet. Right? And then you could just have, like, whatevs, right? Like, you can... You could probably build an entire second combo into this deck because there's nothing legitimate about anything that you're doing. <laughs> so you have plenty be, of room like for that, nonsense. It's like that old era of Extended. We could also just put Thopter Sword in here. Yeah. So it's just like, if your deck has no legitimate game plan, <laughs> you could fit a second nonsense game plan. I think, like, I'm sure at some point I've gotten up to, like, three nonsense games. All right, do you remember that deck that I had Ravitz play at Worlds, one that he came in ninth? Yeah. There were, like, four nonsense game plans in that standard deck, right? Like, one of them was, like, infinite gifts lock. <laughs> one of them was, like, in gain a bunch of life. Do you remember that? It was, like, a dragon yeah. mid-range deck, but it had, like, all these whack game plans. Like, one of them was, like, some, like, life from the loam Bosiju. I didn't even know how I could fit all these things into this deck, but it was good. Yeah. And he, Are you going to build this deck? We'll post the deck list. What did he do? He, what did he do to not make top eight? He, like, presented 59 or something? It was something oh, yes, stupid. Yes, yes, yes. He presented 59, I believe is correct. <laughs> we figured out Loxon on Hierarch before everybody else. It was, like, in the sideboard. Oh, my God. Now I'm getting angry about a tournament that fuel he didn't your, win in 2005. Fuel your anger into building this deck list. Okay. And I will play it. It's going to be called Jeskai on, Nonsense. On Magic Online tonight. <laughs> Jeskai Nonsense. What do, what do you have, like... Yeah, well, those are the cards I want to play. I, are there other, like, as foretold things that we can play? Like, maybe you'd want to... Okay, what if you just electrodominanced? Like, what if you were just like, la, 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 do nothing. Like, EOT, electrodominance your thing for four. Put in during renewal into play. <laughs> like, untap. You know, nonsense. Nonsense. I'm in. I mean, this is, what would this be? Because this would need to have a serial name. It's not Fruity Pebbles. It's not Cocoa Pebbles. It's, it's just, it's just a Pebbles deck. It's just Pebbles? I understand it's just Pebbles, but it needs a name. I don't know, it's just 19 Pebbles. 19 Pebbles. Pebbles and Bam Bam. All right, Pebbles and Bam. Oh, because we have two combos. Yeah, Pebbles and Bam Bam. I like it. All right. Are you going to build this deck? Sorry, I told you all. Ago. I want a sketch of. I need the numbers. I need the cards. All right, I need to. I need to. You only need to sketch this out tonight. All right. Well, um, 
So, so, so you think the lasting legacy of Modern Horizons is not going to be that Bridge from Below was banned because of Hogak, but that Altar of Dementia is just going to continue to do stupid things. Why, why, why Altar of Dementia and not Carrion Feeder, which is also <laughs> come on. Well, I mean, Carrion Feeder's like a little duder. You could just like cast him down or something. Like Altar Dementia is going to kill you. <laughs> You're like, why a nuclear missile and not a pencil? <laughs> like, Have you seen John Wick? A pencil is very dangerous. Don't, do not dismiss the I've pencil. I've also seen The Dark Knight. Oh yeah. A pencil will f you up. Yes. But a nuclear missile will f you up even more. Fair. Like a carrion feeder is attacked. It's attacked for one. It's gotten in there for <laughs> easily gotten in there for one three different times in a game before the right. opponent played a box on hierarch or something, you know? <laughs> he got in there. Put put them down to a, a healthy 21, you know? <laughs> so, um, so how was your pre-release? So you finished three and one? I finished three and one. Where'd you play the strategist? Played the strategist. Pretty small attendance. I mean, it's July 4th weekend, and I think people are a little oversaturated Mine with card releases. Mine was hella-packed. Nowhere yeah. to sit. Like, they were easily running, like, four events at the same time. Wow. No, I mean, ours was not, but... Uh, Red-green, pretty... I didn't have a lot of elemental <coughs> synergy. I probably could have pushed that a little further, but I just played I just played good cards and had a couple of Chandras stapled together. Oh, you had multiple Chandras? I, I had three and four Chandra, which interacted with each other. I had Chandra's Gauntlets, or whatever that card is. Chandra's... The, the looting thing. Yeah, it lets you loot away your extra mountains or the red cards you can't cast because you haven't drawn mountains. Uh, I think that card's going to be an important constructed card. Card's great. I thought the card's really good and also just like lets you double up for what, spend one mana to double up on any loyalty abilities so, from Chandra's. Like, I don't know, like, I'm like, gosh. So I made four elementals and then gave them all plus four plus zero and attacked with them and I won. You could do that in constructed. Yeah. So the problem you is, could also do that and draw four cards with Risen Reef. I think that the problem is like I think the Risen Reef deck is too powerful and constructed for mid-range decks that exist. Wasn't the Risen Reef deck a mid-range deck? Well, no. What if you're playing the Tears version? Do you know that one? No. So there's a card that's like you. Oh, oh, Flood of Tears. Yeah, you four upheaval everything. If you return four or more, put a card in the. It's play. non-land, right? Yeah. So, but if you return four or more, put a card into play, right? So, you could go like uh, Utopia. It's not, not Utopia Sprawl. The one that's like, G, your land makes any color draw a card. Yeah. You know that card. Yeah. So you played that card, this Arboreal is... Granger, uh, like things that like let you. Deploy. Are you in modern here again? No, standard. Okay. So you're just like play these cards and then play like a gift, which lets you like um, tap for extra mana. Yeah. Then you're just like, you know, Tamio or something. Just like our Adam and Tamio for, 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 I don't know. Flood of Tears. Omniscience. Sure. Cast Flood of Tears, return everything, play the Omniscience with the free thing on the Flood of Tears. Cast the Tamio, use the Tamio to return the Flood of Tears to my hand. I've, I've, uh, I've not, demonstrated a loop. I've demonstrated a loop already, right? So any amount of advantage that I get, it doesn't matter what advantage. So if I just re- keep replaying the gift for sake of argument and I never draw another card, I can just like, I'll pass the turn at 3 billion life. Okay, right? Uh, and you have no board, right? Right. If I have just like the thing that's like um, uh, draw a card, like I just draw my entire deck, right? Like this is like turn five. 
right? So, um, you know, in a world where nobody's casting counter spells because it's a fairy. It's yeah. Pretty, so, like, I think it's cute that these other, like, Risen Reef decks are, like, trying to get, like, a slight advantage over things. Sure. Like, this Risen Reef deck is just, like, I'm going to elf out my Risen Reef and then I'm going to use it to... So is this a deck that you're seeing a lot of or is this a deck that you've built or... I, it was a 5-0 deck on MTGO okay. this week. Okay. So I was like looking at like the different decks that people are playing on MTGO and I'm like, oh, Risen Reef seems like it's, I mean, it's Flood, contributing to four Flood, or so decks. Flood, Flood of Tears seems like the kind of card you love, right? This reminds me of what was the Crush of, Crush of, Crush yeah, of Tentacles? I love that. That was yeah. my favorite deck for a long time. Yeah. It feels very similar to that, right? And, I am probably going to play this version. Like, it just seems so much more powerful to me than other stuff. Like, if the best thing that somebody... I mean, I'm going to probably go home and play this right now. Well, think about it like this. If the best thing that somebody can do right now, which is what I think people are trying to do with, like, all their energy is put into, like, casting a Command the Dread Horde or uh, or uh, even a Mass Manipulation, which is... The, it's weird that there's a card more powerful than the Command of the Dread Horde and Mass Manipulation. So the other blue-green decks are just, like, play, like... Leyland of Abundance and all mana creatures so that I can cast like, the fastest, biggest mass manipulation I can. But you're just gonna be like, tears fuck you. Like, return everything, and then I just like, I what if I only slammed Tamiyo? Like, it's oh, all I got was Tamiyo. Like, aren't you just boned? I mean, like, I'm just gonna get my tears back, play two permanents next turn, and I'm eventually <laughs> gonna, like, alright, activate my Tamiyo again. I'm gonna name Omniscience. Let's see how this goes for yeah. you. Right? Like, it's... It's like easily loops on turn five. Sure. So. Sounds gross. Yeah. It's like much, much more powerful than anything. I right. mean, it's not just more powerful than the other decks that people are playing in standard. Right. Like this is like an abusively powerful strategy. And you're like also like a pretty decent like get permanence in play kind of defend myself mid-range deck that has an upheaval. Right. <laughs> like that's like, oh, were you, were you doing something? Um, I haven't, I haven't really, uh, listened to last, the last episode you did with Svi yet. Yeah. Did you take your victory lap on Kai? No. We just, we just reviewed white. This is like... I thought we were going to redo blue today. I mean, come on. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. Like, again, the cards are all out there. Everyone knows all the cards. I, I, I've got, a, I got a proposal for you. We never start another set review ever again. No way. Never do another set review. We could talk about cards. Like, during preview season, we could talk about cards that are out there, that are interesting to us. So that, that girl's a model, and they're doing a shoot, right? Yes. We, we can talk about, like, uh, you know, specific cards. But I think no no more set reviews, Mike. What do you think? No, don't agree. Mike, how many set reviews have we started, have we started and gotten to white? Or <laughs> got, it, got, got to white. <laughs> gotten to green... And said we were going to work our way backwards. I don't think we finished one since Oath of the Gate one. Yeah, I, I just... I think that's the last one we finished. What year was that? 2016? I, here, here, all right, here's the deal. Whatever the next set is. I don't even know yeah. what the next set is. Either we do a complete set review, which means we set aside a whole day. Yes. And we just do the whole set review old school. I'll take the day off. I'll go to your house. We'll do it with a microphone. Okay. And a laptop. Bring the microphone and the laptop. Uh, and if we don't... Then we never do a set review ever again. Dude, never is a strong word. Never. Kill the pre-releases, no more set reviews. No cold takes here. Also, go next 2019. Who have you got? We've got so much. You didn't sign any free agents. We sent Julius Randle. 
do you mean by that? <laughs> we signed Alfred Payton. We signed Todd Gibson. We signed... You're just making up names. No, we signed uh, Portis. Uh, we also signed the, the grinning Ignis in our second, with our second round draft pick. Ignis Bresdinkis. Um, that name is not made up, I swear. So you're, okay, you're going to say go next 2019 no matter what happened. I'm, no, no, I wasn't. If they had signed Kevin Durant, I was going to quit on the team. Really? Yes, I had said that. As soon as he got injured, I put that out there. Okay. I was, wanting to th- I was thinking about this this morning, completely unrelated to, to this go next thing. I think Jake Van Lunen might be, like, the biggest genius of NBA Why? talk ever. Because, like, he long called it, like, I just deeply remember him long calling it about, like, the Raptors winning, like, when when Giannis was still in there, in the, you know? Yeah. And then, like, before they'd even made it the second round, it's like, this is their year, this is the reason why, right? Yeah. And I remember I was just, like, at dinner with, like, all these, you know, other grown men. I was like, oh, I, you know, I think, like, if this is the matchup, then they're going to have this advantage. But at the time, Giannis was up 2-0 against the right. Raptors. Oh, I, yeah. And I was just, and they're not going to make it. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. not over, you yeah. know? You know, the team up 2-0 is an 80% likelihood of winning, but 20% is a significant amount of the time, right? So, you know, and they made it, and then he, he's like, no, they're going to win the title. And, I mean, Kawhi Leonard injured so many Warriors. <laughs> and I got to tell you, they deserved it. <laughs> um Probably not to this degree, though. The, like, taking two All-Stars out for a year each. I mean, not that that's 100% attributable to Kai. I mean, Kai. Kawhi. Yeah. It is attributable to Kai. He's the German juggernaut. Yeah, true. Go Kai 2019. Um, I wish I could take a victory lap on Kai. It would have been awesome if Kai won. But what did you think about that deck that won that tournament, though? That blue-green wilderness reclamation? It was deck? awesome. <clears throat> that guy played so well. Like, he played so, like... He's a challenger, right? Yeah. Yeah, so precisely. Like he wasn't even playing Magic a couple years ago. He got back into it because of Arena. It's like a beautiful story. Yeah. Then he's just ground his way into destroying the greatest players of all time. Yeah. He beat... No, no, Brad beat Kai, right? Yeah. That's what happens. Like, Brad has a sick matchup advantage against Brad, Kai in the, the, the top eight. What they said... I haven't verified it, but I think it's true. They said Brad's the only person to beat Kai twice on Sunday now. When they played the mirror match both times, right? Yeah. <laughs> is that, does that count in these standings? Uh, I mean... <laughs> I wouldn't Is that want, relevant? I would. It would severely damage our narrative to apply the Chris Pakula rule to this. <laughs> uh, I cannot apply the Chris Pakula yeah. rule. Otherwise, Brad right. might be the goat, right? That's what so, so, so friendly wager. Okay. What's our wager? Cavs versus Knicks, better record this year. Uh, I mean, I would, I would think on paper the Knicks should have the better record. The Cavs are just going to tank again. Are they? It's I don't know that the Knicks aren't going to so tank it's, again. It's hard for me to say because the Cavs, I think that the Cavs soft tanked last year. But I think what actually happened was just like all their good players took all the right, year. We can, so, so look, we can also, we can have this bet. But we can also have a caveat that if we feel like both teams have gone into tanking mode, we can switch the bet to worst record. All right, no, no, so, so whoever does a better uh, job of... No, no, just hear me out on the Cavs from last year, right? So I think the Cavs were like... Not a 50-win team last year, but, like, 43-win team, maybe, right? But everybody took the year off, right? Like, Love didn't play the whole year. Tristan didn't play the whole what, year. What's Love doing this year? He signed for the Cavs. He's, like, on a four- or five-years contract with the Cavs. So it's Tristan. They just didn't play. So, like, J- so basically what happened was JR, JR got the coach fired, right? So. Yeah. 
Ty Lue wanted to win, right? So he wanted to win games, so he was playing JR. The front office said, don't play JR, play the new kids, right? And they're like, well, I want to try to win games. And they're like, just don't play JR. And then he's like, so he played JR anyways, they're trying to win. And then they're like, all right, uh, JR, you're not allowed to come to games anymore, and we're firing Ty Lue, right? So then at that point, like, the rest of, like, the veterans, like, you know, Love and Tristan were like, oh, I'm injured. Yeah, they're both injured for, like, the next 30 games. Where's JR this year? He's going to be a Laker. So JR got a contract extension. Believe this or not, right? So they owe JR, like, 3.3, I think. Yeah. He has an insane contract, but only, like, 3.3 is guaranteed. So they have to pay him, like, four and a half because they extended his contract by a month because they can trade him. If they trade him, they get some value. Yeah. But if they just let him walk, I mean, like, I don't know, the million, they're paying him an extra million dollars to just not let him walk a month early. Uh, I think him and Corver are both going to be on the Lakers with LeBron. Um, what about Melo? No, what about Melo? He's not a calf. <laughs> uh, but it was great, like, Channing Fry came back, you know. So they just, like, they got, like, the whole band other than LeBron back together. Yeah. And then, but, like, but none of them played. So, like, it, I don't even understand what the logic was. Also, the Cavs didn't have a coach. People don't remember. They didn't have a coach. So they're like... Uh, like when they were doing media day and they were like who's the head coach of the Cavs and they're like Larry Drew and Larry Drew's like I am not the head coach of the Cavs right they're like and the front office is like uh, Larry, Larry Drew's the head coach so I'm sort of like getting paid like the head coach of an NBA team you know and so they didn't have a coach and all of their star players were like mysteriously just like boning supermodel like you just like watch like Kevin Love's like Instagram or whatever, he's just like with his supermodel girlfriend doing whatever. Tristan's with whatever people he hangs out with that are right. Kardashians or not. I was right. like, whatever Kardashian. And like, they just, they're like, oh yeah, I have a hurt foot. For like 30 games. I think they both played like six games. Like, Love played a sweet 16 games at the end of the season. But he, they just, they're like, oh yeah, we're hurt. How do you, how do you feel about uh, so, X, XGM David Griffin? Uh, he's, he's in a sweet spot that could explode. Why so? I mean... You, did, just, you think Zion... Zion got hurt in his first game. Yeah, he banged knees with somebody. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I wish Griff all the luck in the world. Yeah. But you, you think Zion is that precarious? Uh, no, I think that he's put in a situation where he can't really win, right? If your expectation is you have to take home the title, right? There's either you take home the title or you're a dismal failure, right? It's just like LeBron's situation in L.A., Right? And that magic got out of him. He's like, this is a no-win situation. Right. Right? He's just like, all right, I have the best player in the world. Magic's like, I'll come back now. <laughs> He's just like, but what's curious to me is Kawhi's decision to play with for the Clippers. I mean, is the Lakers front office, I guess they're just so bad that he wouldn't play there? I mean, maybe he just likes the idea of taking down LeBron. Maybe he's just like, I want to prove... I mean, they're friends in real life. I doesn't matter. Right? Just I still want to beat you at Friday Night Magic. I mean, if you're only going to talk about two guys, I think I take LeBron and the Brow over Paul George and Kawhi. But Paul George got real good last year, right? He he well, played real, real well. I mean, Kawhi looked like the best player in the game last year. I think Kawhi is... At times. I think Kawhi is... If you only want to look at objective, like, you know, step back, objective measures, he's the best player in the NBA. But there's a huge asterisk on that because LeBron didn't try last year. Sure. And at the same time, maybe he's not capable anymore because he's got another year on those those legs. What, whatever. It's just like mono superstar at the Coliseum, right? Like yeah. At the Staples, Staples Center. Center. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it's gonna be fantastic whatever night you go there. Yeah, I was just gonna insane. joke. I was just gonna joke to Basic Mountain, but I didn't yet. I'm like, oh, it's too bad you're you're a Denver fan now, right? <laughs> you know, he's he was like the world's only Clips fan for yeah. an hour long. He's 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 been he's been talking about the Clips this week. But so the the thing is, the Clips is like. Nazgul year one, right? Like they literally threw all their assets away. They've got. I like, don't understand the Paul George deal. Like I understand it. Paul but George I don't, played like a legitimate superstar like last a, year. Like He's shark. not like one of these things where like how they talked about Paul George in previous years, I or understand. like how they talked about Melo. The like, dude plays I'm just a two-way about game. Six first-round picks. Yeah, they gave the. Well, here's the thing. Those guys play the same position. I mean, I guess you could put Kawhi at shooting guard. So like. I don't know. Like, so Kawhi's shooting guard, George is small. I don't know. You play George. George is not. The thing is, George is a. I don't. I don't understand basketball positions oh. anymore. Well, George has a history of lower body injuries. You do not put a guy with a history of lower body injuries at power forward, right? Like, that's you're asking for you're asking for a problem right before the playoffs. This is a classic problem, right? Even LeBron. LeBron was power forward in Miami, right? When he came back to when he came back to Cleveland, he's like, look, I'm 30 years old. I'm not playing power forward anymore. He's going to play point guard next year. Right. If you look at their their depth chart, Corver is going to be their small forward. LeBron is going to play point guard, and they've got, like, it's a real interesting lineup. Yeah. Uh, and then they've got, like, the Warriors cast off centers, right? <laughs> Just, which is hilarious. Which I think they're going to have to put in rotation, right? Sure. So the beauty of the Warriors was they would have these cast off centers that they only use for tip off, and then they immediately switch Draymond into center, right? right. And they just play, like, four shooting guards in Draymond, right? That was their, I guess, I, I guess. Whatever, KD was like an oversized, yeah, small or whatever. But like, it was basically like Draymond at center and then four wings. But I think you know, LA's gonna play LeBron at point guard, and that's gonna be he's not he's not fast anymore coming up the yeah. he's still LeBron. Don't get me wrong, but he's not yeah, he's, he's still, not like he's, Steve Nash. He's still got an extra step though that he probably didn't use last year. Like no, no, no. that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like on paper, I think Kawhi is the best player in the right. league, but. I don't. LeBron clearly wasn't trying last year. I, I, if you're listening at home now and you haven't seen Spider-Man: Far From Home, stop. Well, but did we put Butch up up at the front because they're going to miss Butch then? Oh. We should put Butch up in the front. We'll put Butch up okay. in the front. Butch okay. Butch up in the front. Never mind anything I said about Butch coming up after you've already listened to Butch. Okay. Um. Spider-Man: Far From Home. Yeah. So I saw it, and I, and, and properly to its detriment. I just saw it in the shadow of rewatching Into the Spider-Verse, which is Same. clearly the best Spider-Man movie of all time. I watched Into the Spider-Verse like two days before. Yeah, so did so, I. So Clark went through this grumpy phase where he wasn't doing anything with us for a while. Yeah. So he had never seen Into the Spider-Verse, and so, but it was on Netflix, so we watched it together. Yeah. Um, and funny thing, he didn't understand the second post credit scene because he hadn't seen Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, for Far From Home? Yeah. Oh, okay. So so you loved the post credit scenes. I think that... I, it's hard for me to contextualize them because the early post credit scenes, and to to their credit, the X Men post credit scenes are actually perhaps more important for than, Dark Phoenix. Well, for uh, at the end of I, X, so at the end of X Three, which is the horrible movie, is the one that has like the kind of the Xavier's Alive reveal. Yeah. And then at the end of X, uh, not X Men Origins, sorry, at the end of the Wolverine has the Days of Future Past reveal. Oh sure. So I think that those post credit scenes really set the table for. Our consumption of post-credit scenes today, but I'm not sure outside of those and the early Marvel ones, MCU ones, which are <gasps> my shoulder. Yeah, stuff like that, right? <laughs> outside of those, if you just say like, all right, take the historical significance of these post-credit scenes away, 
Days of Future Past reveal is really good, right? You know, at the, at the end of the world, right? You know this one. He can't yeah. go through the, the metal detector. Um, I think these are one and two. The two best post-credits in Fall. Okay. In why, the same movie. Why do you think that? Uh, the so first take the one, first one, yeah. The first one... Again, don't listen Meaningfully if you seen it. moves forward the story. Sure. And contextualizes the story in the place that it should have always been, right? So, like, the MCU Peter Parker is this weird character that's never existed before, right? So... I, this has always been my yeah, criticism so, of the first movie and to some extent this so movie. So, the thing is, like, he his Peter Parker character is, like, I guess a poor kid from Queens who also has unlimited resources, which doesn't make any sense, right? So he's not a reporter. He's not, like, struggling. Like, that character is struggling. The reason that people love Peter Parker in 1966 or something, right, yeah. is because he couldn't make his rent. His aunt couldn't make his rent. He's trying real hard as a photographer. Yeah. He's trying to do the right thing. His girlfriends are dying, you know? Like, he's struggling. That character had never existed in the MCU. He might not be rich, right, but he's always had unlimited resources. Right. He has a Stark suit or whatever, right? Right. So... Um, the essential Actually, part he of could, it. He could he could wipe out a small country with his eyeglasses. He could wipe out any country. He is. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think he'd have problems. You know, like I don't think the Avengers could easily beat that, right? Because yeah. he has so many drones, right? So the the and I, who knows what the extent of eat of this, right? We've only seen this one implementation of it. So the so the thing is like now the character who comes from far from home is much more akin to the late Dan Slott Spider-Man, which is like. A rival to Tony Stark, like he, he, that comic book version has like, you know, mech suits and a company that is at his beck and call and stuff like that. Which it would, you know, I think that if you love comics at all, you should read the entirety of Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man, um, uh, Superior Spider-Man, and then back to Amazing Spider-Man. Satan loves those. So Dan Slott has people don't know this. He just stopped writing Spider-Man last year. He wrote everything from Brand New Day to last year. Just He's written more Spider-Man stories than anyone else. And God bless Stan Lee or whoever you love, J. Michael Straczynski. Dan Slott is the greatest Spider-Man writer of all time. Better than Mark Wade, right? So his fundamental understanding of the character is unbelievable to the point that he can queer the character beyond recognition and you will still love what he's doing with it, right? And he returns it to normalcy, right? So he's back working at the Bugle at the end of his run. But he's a billionaire for a long stretch. So right. what happens in Superior Spider-Man is Doc Ock actually takes over Spider-Man's body. That's just like the most controversial thing. All the old diehard Spider-Man fans hate it, right? right? But he writes this amazing story of like the, you know, his greatest rival, evil supervillain running around with his costume, breaking up his relationships with the Avengers, etc. And Doc Ock's like, oh, I'm a genius. I'm just gonna like use these spider powers and my genius to like make a billion dollar company, right? So he does. So when Peter takes, you know, becomes Spider-Man again, he wakes up one day and he's a billion dollar company. <laughs> but he's a great guy, right? So among other things, he gives himself a pay cut so that he doesn't make any more money than a mid-level manager, oh. which is like the most Peter Parker thing yeah, to do, yeah, yeah. right? And, uh, and then he's just like, but he uses the resources of a billion dollar company in the same way that Iron Man would. Okay. And like a lot of the jokes are like, Stark versus, you know, Parker Industries. Like, Parker Industries is great. Everyone loves it and everyone hates Stark and all this stuff. So, that character's... He, he, the MCU, Spider-Man very much has the flavor of that character because Peter now has unlimited resources, right? right. Like, he's flying around in jets and they can print whatever super suit he wants, you know? Right. Like, all kinds of stuff like that, right? So, I think that that first post credit scene 
gives us Spider-Man, and we didn't have Spider-Man, right? Right, and we had like, we had a cute kid, you know. We had the trappings of something. Yeah. You know, we had the high school angst, but not Spider-Man. Right. Now we have Spider-Man. He's, by the way, great playing Peter Parker, right? Tom Holland. He's just, he's just fantastic. So there was, there was supposed. I, I missed it. it. Maybe I looked away. There was some sort of a Fantastic Four Easter egg in this movie. I didn't see it. Yeah, I think that they were that there was some kind of we're gonna hit the Baxter building. I did, I did not I did not see that, but I'll I'll have to go back and look yeah. at some so, point. I did like the the Ben Uncle Ben Easter egg. Oh, on the suitcase. on the suitcase. Yeah. I thought that was like made me a little teary. Yeah. And you know, because they haven't really talked about Uncle Ben in, at all. Well, no, because they character. never did an origin story yeah. for the character. Yeah. I actually love that about it. Like I do too. just assumes I do. That you, you know who the character is. Yeah. So I thought that that was a great Although, post credit scene. Tony Stark kind of fills the Uncle Ben role in this iteration of the character. Yeah. So, th- do you disagree with my take on this? No, I, I like it. I like it. I'm just, I mean, I, I thought it was a good post-credit scene. I, I wasn't as hype on it as you were. But, and then, what's, what is the implication of the second one, other than the fact that... It's just setting up the next Avengers movie. But it's good. Yeah. Why is it setting up the next Avengers movie? Well, Stark is clearly in space with the Avengers. I mean... I'm not Stark, sorry. Uh, Fury. Fury. With the Avengers or with just with... No, with the Avengers. With which Avengers? He was in there with all the scrolls. So this is this is what I think. I think that Strange and the Avengers are on the ship with him. And the reason I think that is people are asking why the Avengers aren't here to help, right? Uh, so like, well, there's a good reason because they're in space with Fury, right? right? So they're probably gonna so have it's like Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange. I think that they're probably gonna have some some Korvac saga, Kree Skull War, or maybe some sort of Phoenix saga, right? That you we gotta bring we gotta bring the X Men in, right? So. Maybe the Phoenix Force comes and Thor knocks it out with his hammer or something, you know. Is some Kree Shiar War? Let's go. Kree Shiar War? Yeah. What's uh, the streams? So um so I think that that is I so I just really liked it. Because I also thought it was cute. It was a hilarious. Yeah, yeah. No, it was um, it was well done. also one of the things that I think is worth noting there is that's such a great piece of writing because through the whole Spider-Man movie, yeah. I'm a little annoyed at how like vaguely incompetent Nick Fur- and Maria Hill are. Yeah. Like, they, they're able to do their jobs, but they they seem a little off. You're like, Nick the is whole- supposed to be the sharpest, yes. sharpest tack in the yeah, box, Yeah, yeah, right? and he's just like, and there's like a little bit of like snippiness between them that's never really been there, and they're not quite as sharp, and they missed some stuff, and then you reveal that they're scrolls at the end, and they're just kind of playing the role. Perfect, right? Yeah, so I, I thought they were, so... The first one I liked because it really fleshed out where I thought the Spider-Man movie should go. The second one I liked because I can't wait. Like, it's just like when you see Mjolnir, right? Like, like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next one. And I, I think that's exactly what you want. What, have you watched uh, last season of Jessica Jones yet? The season three, no. Yeah. You know, in my head, I kind of gave up on all of the Netflix things, even though I liked a lot of them, because like, I know they're done. I know, I so, it's so, a, so, so it's very funny. I was in the same boat. I didn't watch Punisher either. And and I my, liked Punisher. Punisher was great. Punisher was a great season. Yeah, I bet they're all great. They're it's, not all great. They're screwed up in they're my head. They're not all great. Uh, but my wife was like, why aren't we watching Jessica Jones? I just found out Jessica Jones is on, and I'm like, well, she's like, we're watching Jessica Jones. Yeah. She loves it. She lo- I mean, she I like the second it. season that much. I like the second season. I don't think it's good. Third season's fantastic, but the thing about Jessica Jones is it doesn't really matter how good the story is. Everybody on the show Super is good. so good. Like, uh, Carrie Ann Moss just eats all the scenery in every yeah. shot she's in. She's so good. So- and, you know, uh, what's her face as Jessica Jones, Kristen Ritter, so good. 
Uh, the girl who plays uh, Trish is fantastic. You know, it's it's just like a, it's just a, a killer cast. So, uh, first season of Jessica Jones. My sister told me this. She went back to like visit my parents like over like Fourth of July weekend, like you know, two three years ago, whenever it was on TV. And like my mom was like plopped down next to her, and they watched like six episodes of Jessica Jones in a row. And my mom's just like, God, power's really gone to the doctor's head. <laughs> she like. <laughs> Had no comprehension. She wasn't watching Doctor Who. <laughs> what? Yeah. How awesome is that? That's insane. That is like the best. Like I have a seventy-year-old parent story. I mean, it's kind of cool too. It's hilarious. Yeah. Right. So, uh, speaking of which, did you watch Good Omens yet? I did. Yeah. Did you love it? I I really really liked it. Yeah. Uh, I liked it a lot. My favorite thing about it I was... I don't... I don't... It's not a... It's not a... So a couple people have it on their all-time list oh, already. It's not, it's not an all-timer for me. I thought it was really good. Gaiman wrote it himself. Yeah. But I he wa- said he won't write season two. I watched it straight through and was, you know, excited by it. But I mean, I, I don't... It's not my... It's not my favorite thing. Me, Catherine, and Bella watched, like, one episode a week for, like, three or four weeks. And we watched, like, the last two or three episodes in one day. Yeah. Um... The game said he won't write season two. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the second book was never written, right? He has the notes for it. Right. But he said he wouldn't write it because Pratchett died, right? right. So, um, so I guess calling Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. So, um, you hear that, Brandon? Good omens. Get on it. Uh, but I mean, so, what do you think about this? Both they're like I don't know if they're like gay lovers, but they're like in love, right? No, I. You know, I think you think they're just I think buddies. It's, I think it's. I think it's. So it's something that I've really been looking for more and more out yeah. of media in general is stories about male friendship. You think this is just think, a male friendship? I think story. it is actually just male friendship. But the thing is, I talked to Bella about this a lot. Like, I'm actually. I, I mean, I thought I wondered the same thing, but in the end, I came out with like, no, these are two people who genuinely love one another and are bonded for life. But bonded, for, I believe, bonded for life as friends. So. Here, here, here's the things I'll, I'll just twist that a little bit. I don't know what gender means. So Michael the Archangel is a woman in this, sure, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like they're bending a lot of genders yes. on this. So, so part of me is just like I don't know if gender means anything. I agree. For celestial beings in this universe, like so, I'm not you know God could be a, for all I know God's a woman, but God in this universe is a woman, right? right? But like a bunch of characters who we know to have male. Uh, identification in the mythology, you know, are yeah. depicted as female in this. Yeah. So that I think is a a queering of expectation. So I don't even know if it matters if they're. So, but the thing is, I also don't know what the concept of lovers is for them. Who knows? They're genitals. Right, right. I, mean, like, I, right, like, I don't know. But, but I, I, I really did. I, I think one of the most unexplored areas of fiction yeah. is genuine male friendship. There's plenty of buddy movies. There's plenty of things that are about men in adventure together right but like there's not a there's not a lot of things that are about about yes like where where people are it's true male friendship uh you know the kaminsky method is something that i've been watching that that kind of touches on that uh happen leonard is a great show about that but but there's really not a ton uh that just because it's i think it's something that people are uncomfortable about a little bit and maybe, maybe for the reasons that you're even getting at, right? Like where people are like, oh, are they gay? Who I mean, cares? I wouldn't mind right? if they were gay. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know if that's why that area of storytelling is just not that explored. But I, I, th- I think it's, uh, I, it's something I act- actively look for. 
All right, that's a great reading. Um, uh, I hope they do a second season. Yeah, I, would, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. I mean, Gaiman has the notes. He just won't, won't yeah. write the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brandon can write the book from the notes. Yeah, exactly. Great. I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Yeah. Maybe it won't be that funny, but maybe it'll be epic. <laughs> wow. Don't listen to him, Brandon. You're funny. Um, actually, Brandon has a lot of books of his own that I want to read, so don't get distracted, Brandon. Okay. Don't, it doesn't matter how big the truck full of gold doubloons is that they drive up to your house. Yeah. Uh, get, get, get those next six yeah. Mistborn books out. Get the next Way of Kings. You read Way of Kings? Uh, I have. I'm, I'm, I think I'm on the... Third one? Yeah, I read the third one. Oathbringer? Yeah. Or maybe I didn't finish it. I don't remember. Now. I'm not in the liner notes of that one. I was pretty annoyed. Oh, no. Uh, other people who may be Magic the Gathering Twitter characters are in the liner notes. They will all remain nameless, unlike in the liner notes. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't make the liner notes. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully I'll make the liner yeah. notes of the next one that I made. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, I think I put it aside to just stockpile for... It's very good. Oh, no, I, I understand. Uh, I just, I don't want to read it and then have to wait maximum amount of time for the next one. Oh, I consume so much media that it's hard for me to remember details of stuff yeah. when they're spread Imagine multiple years Imagine you beta, beta read it. You, you haven't even I had, a beta, I had a beta copy. Oh, you did you? Yeah. Oh, I gave you it. No. No, didn't I hand it to you? Oh, you handed it to me, yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. But I... I, I didn't say I gave it, because I'm not the I, grantor. I, I didn't beta read it in the sense that I read it, because I didn't read it. I did, and I, I gave know. notes. I gotcha. Like, this, 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 this... I was like, this word is misspelled, this word is misspelled. One of, one of the notes back to me was like, oh, thanks for catching that one, that is correct. No, you just don't know that word. <laughs> and I was like, man... Wow. But I did get, I got one in. I got one right, in. All right, all right. So, all right, I, I'm going to head home. It's a beautiful day. I might walk a little bit. Uh, it's been Top 8 Magic. Thanks for Butch Mappa being on the podcast with me. Sorry he missed you, Mike, but he's going to come back to New York. He really likes it. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry I missed him. Yeah. Uh, it's like the worst time. This is like, last week was all like I spent with my family yeah. and I back to work. Yeah. This, is, uh, this has been Top 8 Magic. The game's longest running podcast that's that's the that's the tagline now i think so i'm gonna try it out i was trying it. i was trying it i was waiting I was, I was looking for a reaction from you brian was like giving the air quotes while he said that yes and brushing my knuckles anyway thanks for listening uh talk to you soon